Hello, hello. Welcome Hi. back, everyone, to the fifth episode of the 2020 Expert Talk series with Rock Culture in collaboration with Seattle Austria, Thriving Thursday's Third Culture Kids Beyond and Between Borders, where we explore the dynamics of the third culture kids, aspects of their identity and career beyond and between mental and physical borders. So today here with us is another special guest, Melania. And let me just briefly introduce her before she adds more. So she is a final semester bachelor student in business and economics with specializations in finance and economics in Vienna. And she's also the campus director of Holt Prize VU in Vienna. So very, very big warm welcome. So happy to have you here today. And I want to already start off and dive into the topic of third culture kids, TCKs. And I want to understand more about your background. So can you please let us know what your cultural background or roots are? Yes, for sure. So first of all, I would like to thank you very much, Veerong, for having me on your podcast. I'm very happy to be here and share my experiences. And to those watching, feel free to always ask questions and stuff like that. So I'll start, um, as we said, my name is Melania and I'm currently in my final semester of my bachelor's in Vienna. Uh, however, I am originally from Serbia. I was there until I was about 12 years old, uh, moving from a place in the south to Belgrade when I was a small child, around one years old. Then I was in Belgrade until I was 12. There I started off with my primary school. And then when I was 12 and my brother was 10, uh, we moved to Geneva, Switzerland due to my dad's job. I was there for four years in an international school. Then at 16, I moved to England, somewhere around London, and I went to an American school there. I finished off my high school, uh, so I was there until I was 18, and then my parents continued living there. Then I moved to Vienna for my bachelor's, and now I'm there. It is my third year at the moment. Next year, I'll be leaving again to go to London for my master's. And it's been quite a journey, but I've liked pretty much every part of it. Amazing. So, Thank you so much. Uh, right. I can tell okay. you both of my parents are Serbian. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm 100% Serbian. I have no like international blood in me. However, my experience has made me kind of more international. Right. Excellent. So by the way, just a brief background for those who are watching right now, what a third culture kid is and what Melania explained regarding her background and how she ident identifies with this, let's say, term in this world. A third culture kid is someone who grew up in a country that is different than their passport country. So in Melania's sense, she it's originally is from Serbia, but she traveled and basically lived and studied uh, in Switzerland uh, and in the UK. So that made her developmental years also a different, let's say, uh, experience culturally. Uh, thank you very much for your introduction, Melania. And I would like to kind of ask if you could kind of give your thoughts on what it kind of was for you personally growing up as a TCK, a third culture kid, and how was it kind of different than when you are, let's say, moving when you were in your teens versus when you are, when you transitioned from the UK to Austria? So how was it different in terms of your developmental years transitioning to a new country versus later on? So, I mean, I would say that being a TCK has brought a lot of advantages to like my growth and development in terms of open-mindedness and like acceptance towards other people, other ways of thinking, doing, and so on. Um, however, I think it is easier in, 
I mean, there is both easier and harder factors in younger years as well as older years. Years. So I think mm. when I first moved, when I was uh, 12, it was much easier in a sense that I had always almost aspired to be in this international environment because I guess I didn't really think about it as much when I was a child because I just thought it was cool to like meet different people, learn about different backgrounds and so on. Uh, so mm. back then, it wasn't so difficult in terms of like, I mean, of course, as a kid, you like to have your friends and you like to have your basis kind of like of your network. But then leaving it is not quite as hard as it is not quite as set and so on. So in that mm. respect, leaving Serbia was not that difficult, I would say. However, there was a kind of, I guess I faced uh, the problem of being the opposite of a TCK, I guess, because I mm. went to like international school and I was almost the only one who had not been as international both of my parents were from the same place uh, my English wasn't so good so there was a kind of like mm -hmm. language barrier and culture barrier so I think in that respect it was more difficult but then when you mm -hmm. move later to the teen years like when I moved to the UK from Switzerland I think what I found the hardest was really leaving my friends behind like of course mm -hmm. in these international schools I'm very fortunate to have been able to go to them uh, the, th the only thing is that people move around constantly, although in the moment that I moved, somehow it happened that pretty much all of my friends were staying. So that was the most difficult part, I would say. Then mm -hmm. again, moving from the UK to Austria, it was hard to leave my friends behind. But the easing factor was the fact that everybody was going to university. So then it didn't make it as difficult. So I think there's both kind of, you understand yeah. more when you're older and you understand that leaving people behind and having to start over is a difficult factor. Although when you're a child, even though that is easier, you may find it a bit harder to integrate if all of the kids are different from you and so on. Mm. And you actually touched upon like a very interesting point in the beginning, which is you mentioned that you actually had a hard time transitioning during your first move from Serbia to Switzerland because you felt like you weren't as international as the rest of the kids in the international school. Could you perhaps go more into that and how that experience was for you? And how did you kind of gradually begin to integrate into that environment? Um, I mean, yeah, that, that's a good question, actually. I think it's because when I was like in Serbia, I was, you know, just like a normal kid, like in a normal public school, pretty much everyone was Serbian. There was only one someone else who was from another country and everyone thought it was super cool, uh, which was lucky for them, I guess, because I have heard of experiences of people who have had the opposite experience. If they're kind of uh, from a different country in a place where everyone else is from the same place. Um, so I think in that respect, just seeing how people had been to so many places and lived in so many places and already spoke so many languages. I think that's what really scared me. But then mm -hmm. I think having a finding people who like understood the opposite side of it. I mean, I think the good part about it was that really in these settings, everyone is very open-minded and is very supportive of people that move around. So I think that's really what helped me integrate and then also kind of learning English and so on like that that when that language barrier was gone then it was much easier to talk to people about my experiences and hear about theirs as well because i was right. super interested it was just almost intimidating mm, that's really interesting as well the point is that from the let's say first touch point where you transition into uh getting to know people who are also very international but even perhaps more international than you uh, you you thought it was always an advantage, right? You saw it as something positive and something that you also, let's say, uh, wanted to be a part of, right? Instead of something that is more 
let's say, distant or uh, perhaps more on the negative side? Um, I would say so, yes, because I do recognize that a lot of the time, as uh, as your previous guest in the previous episode was saying, how like it is a privilege to move around and live as a third culture kid, particularly if you can go to international schools. So in that respect, I think it's a like nice life to, lifestyle to have as you meet different people. And I was always very aware of this privilege, and I was always very thankful it thankful for it. Mm-hmm. However, I do see the other side of it where people might not integrate as easily or may not want to leave or enter this kind of lifestyle in a completely different way where they maybe don't necessarily go to an international school and then they might integrate way more like in a way worse way or maybe not integrate at all or again there's again the issue of like different races and different religions and so on which i do see as being potentially a problem and i have heard of people who had those experiences as well Although in my mm. case, I was lucky that I was able to go to, yeah, these kinds of places where people were more open to people from other places. Right. Okay. Thank you. And uh, can you actually expand also a bit more on your journey as a third culture kid and specifically regarding the challenges that you faced, right? So you mentioned about language barriers as something as the first, let's say, step for you to kind of see yourself as integrating into that environment, what other challenges did you have to face along the way? Um, So I think, as I mentioned before briefly earlier, that uh, the main challenge is to kind of have to start over again. So there's some Mm. beauty in it. It's also a large challenge to have to kind of build yourself up again in a place where you're new and where you don't know anything you really have to kind of put yourself out there and not be scared to meet people, to talk to people who maybe dislike you or like you and so on. So I think that was the largest challenge, having to kind of start over every time. Um, Mm. And also never truly feeling like, of course, people understand you, but then you never truly feel a sense of attachment to a certain place, which might not be that uh, relevant to most people, nor is it that relevant to me. However, you don't feel this attachment to a certain culture or because you are a third culture, which is kind of a mix of all cultures. So every time you talk to someone back from your home country, you don't fully understand them. They don't fully understand you. And then other people are also a bit different to you. So there's never a place where you fully, fully integrate, although that Mm. is the beauty of it kind of. So then you can kind of be everywhere a little bit. So I think that was my biggest challenge so far. Mm. How, how did you go about it, though? How, how did you kind of find, let's say, those cracks and those places where you're like, yeah. oh, I see the beauty in this. Uh, I can work with this, right? I can develop from this. When, if you could, let's say, in numbers, put it down, when was that, let's say, point or that stage where you're like, this is something positive and I'm fully enjoying this integration process in a sense? You might not, you might not have had like a specific point, but if you could think back. It's hard yeah. to quantify because I'd say it's different in every place and it really depends on the people that you're surrounded by in that moment and how yeah. you're feeling mentally, physically in that particular moment about that particular move. But I think mm. what uh, how I went about it is to kind of find my support system, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I think for the first move, particularly when I was facing this language barrier, uh, my mm. support system was my family, for example, because that was the only thing that always remained constant. And those were the people that I moved yes. with back then. 
so, you know, I got way closer to my brother, to my parents and so on. So I think that really helped. And I think in general, it's really important for people to find their own support system and find that one or two or however many constants they can find in any place, wherever it is. Yeah. Then also other kind of support systems are like sport or like some hobbies. And I think that's really how I dealt with it. Although time-wise, I don't think I can quantify it. It just depends on the place because I think I integrated faster into university, for example, because everyone was mm. new and everyone seeked the same experience. Everyone wanted to meet people. But then when I moved yeah. to England for the last two years of high school, there it took slightly longer because everyone had already had their friend groups and so on. And I also didn't particularly want to leave. So that made it a bit harder. So it all depends on how you're feeling. Right. And can you talk about perhaps also how your school was a support or could have helped more during this kind of transition period? You know, moving from school to school, even though they're international, they might still have very different curriculums. So how was that personally for you? Did you feel like the international schools offered this kind of support considering your background? Um, I mean, actually, they did have some workshops and like some clubs that were like international clubs and so on. Although in certain senses, it may be where I was, maybe it wasn't advertised as much. So I think having professionals speak and advertising it more in these clubs on how to deal with these particular issues would probably be beneficial but in terms of mm. the curriculums I kind of followed this IB curriculum so then when I moved to like schools I always looked for the same kind of curriculums so I do recommend right. doing that for people who maybe are moving schools that you kind of try to find the same curriculum if you like it of course if you don't like it then you should probably switch but yeah IB is a love-hate relationship everybody probably knows who took IB <laughs> another conversation in yeah, any case Yes. The the next question kind of is, you know, we talked about your journey from you moving and transitioning when you were early in your younger years, and also about your challenges along the way. And now kind of fast forward to kind of considering and needing to consider the career trajectories. How do you think being a TCK kind of affected your t your career decisions? Uh, because you know you've right now you are in a finance and economics right and yeah. you're at, at the same time uh, a banking intern right uh, but then you're also interested as you mentioned in HR and sales and brand management so how how much of that do you think was affected by your TCK background and what aspect of it mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think the TCK background does kind of, let's say, complement. I mean, you don't have to be a TCK for sure to build up these like soft skills, if that makes sense. But certainly these soft skills of intercultural connaissance and mediation, maybe were mm -hmm. uh, kind of a part that was enhanced for me personally. And I think that complemented my hard skills in terms of the things that I'm interested in, like maths and so on. Um, but in terms of like the actual career trajectory, I don't necessarily feel like being a TCK has maybe been too relevant about my uh, current indecisiveness about a sector that I might want to go in. I'm not sure how mm -hmm. this would be different, but I think at this age, particularly for, for us, you know, like I'm 21, you as well, I believe. So like, I think at this age, it's just important to try like different things 
uh, and see where you feel your best. But in terms of the actual like skill, I think uh, there has been a benefit of this kind of complementary enhancement to my hard skills uh, in the form of soft skills. Mm, right. And uh, what about kind of your interest in, mm -hmm. you know, finance, but as well as in things that are very different in very different departments or categories, if I may say, like HR or sales? How, how did that, let's say, combination of combination of interests kind of come about um i mean i think it actually really came about by me uh starting up with this uh organization at university which is the halt prize and then i realized that it's also fun to engage in things that are not necessarily all quantitative and sitting behind the computer so that's kind of where it came about this kind of hr side or pr side uh so i mm. think that is where it happened and it so happens to be also part of my TCK experience since my degree program at university is meant to be an international program. So my team mm. is also international. And maybe it is true that that is the reason that I'm also more interested in this sort of human side of things. I'm not sure how it would have been otherwise, but I think mm. this opportunity itself has allowed me to see a broader spectrum of things that I might enjoy. Mm. And can you actually tell us more about what you're doing with Holt Prize, right? So what is your role in it? How did you start? Why did you mm -hmm. want to do it? Because, uh, I mean, it's a bit different than what you're studying, right? Your degree. It's more so like an entrepreneurial endeavor, I would say. So can you please tell us about that and how it came about? Um, so it actually, it's like an international organization, which is a pitching competition where student teams of three to four people, they pitch uh, their startups to a board of judges. Uh, globally, it's a large global movement. Actually, globally, over 1,200 universities participate. And then there's four rounds. And then whoever wins the university round moves on to the next and so on. And in the final round, actually, uh, the top six teams from the world, they pitch in front of the United Nations for a million dollars for their startup. And these startups are meant to target the sustainable development goals. So I think, um, I mean, I started right away in 2019 when I joined university because I was looking for a society to join and I was looking to join something that was different to what I was doing already probably, which a lot of people do at university. I think it's really a time to experiment and to think about where you might want to go and to just try out different things. So mm -hmm. uh, at FAU, we didn't have this Holt Prize beforehand. Uh, so I joined it with basically a team of eight people and me. That's when I started in PR. Uh, we started off this movement and we kind of brought it together. It's quite small at uni, uh, not, but we really try our best to market it, to kind of provide this, to basically create the competition, this on-campus round. Um, and currently I'm the, so first year I was PR, then the next year I was the vice campus director and currently I'm the campus director. Uh, so we'll try to organize this whole movement, provide the teams with some training, and then have this on-campus round where we have judges and so on, where they pitch. And in the end, the winners move on to the next round, which is the regional round. Amazing. And right now, since you mentioned it, I'm popping up the link where people can take a further look at it. So this is the Instagram of Holtveu. So feel free to hop on and take a look. And yes. I also want to go back to a point. Mm -hmm. No, go ahead, go ahead. I also want to go back to a point, which is, I remember we had a discussion, me and you, about international school activities and participating in clubs, you know, being a part of clubs while in university. 
and we kind of like came to a conclusion in a sense it could still be concluded but we came to a let's say finding that we find a lot of international students because of their environment and being able to have access to a lot of different clubs and societies and activities we're more keen to be involved in comparison to those people who perhaps did not have this opportunity or these kind of background to always be engaging in activity how do you kind of view this do you think that international students perhaps are more prone to let's say start their own club or their business are they more let's say adventurous creative you know what do you think about this um I'm, that's a yeah that's a tough question i don't uh, i mean i think it depends on the person themselves though i do think that there's perhaps a higher likelihood of a person who's more international of starting such a club or such a business uh, due, simply due to the fact that they maybe, if they have moved around and lived in different places, they've experienced different kind of lifestyles, different like markets, like different economies and so on, and maybe have seen more problems that could be fixed. For example, like with your startup, um, with, yeah, with raw culture, how you've seen this problem, which maybe you would not have seen had you stayed in your home country. So I think in that respect, probably, but it also uh, depends, I would say, on the general culture of the place that the people are in, uh, because I know a lot of people who did not move around and have just equally uh, been as interested in joining clubs or creating their own businesses. So I think, I guess, statistically, international students would be more likely to start them. However, it is probably simply because of the fact that they have just seen more and experienced more firsthand rather than just heard about it right. or yeah what do you think about right. that actually briefly i think that i mean obviously there's probably not a one correct solution or one correct yeah. answer to this but i feel like majority wise also what you covered is that due to the fact that we have let's say more cultural experiences and we have more events in our lives that gave us a different angle, I think that makes up that makes us a bit more likely to engage or be interested in several different things. And that would then perhaps lead that we start something or be involved in something just to kind of take a look. And I say this because as third culture kids, I feel like there has been a lot of stimuli that has been kind of given to us ever since we were, you know, growing up and developing. We constantly, let's say, were thrown into situations that we were comfortable with, that was very different or moving, that's like a big thing of itself. And so because of those several stimuli, we also developed a lot of interests and developed a lot of hobbies along with that. And so because of that, I think there's potentially a higher chance that TCKs would get involved and start their own endeavors due to the fact that we saw a lot of things and we can also bring and align those different experiences into one thing. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of my opinion. Yeah, I, I do. Agree. <laughs> Thank you for asking the question. <laughs> yeah, of course, actually, um, I was really interested as to what you think. Yeah, of course. And now I want to go back to the topic of career again. And my question is, I, I often see that 
a lot of TCKs, despite their, let's say, very privileged upbringing of having been across multiple cultures, countries, experiences, they often very much undervalue these skills and their advantages, right? They, they often sometimes even try to, let's say, hide it uh, and not kind of even mention their experiences in a discussion or conversation, right? How do you feel like, to what extent do you think this is personally, let's say, valid for yourself? And in a bigger picture, how do you view this pattern of TCKs undervaluing their skills and connecting that to the career, uh, to their career aspirations as well, and what the and what they think they're capable of? Um, yeah, I think this is sometimes true, simply due to the fact, as you said, it is. Uh, it is it is a privilege, so it may feel almost uh, it may not feel as nice to tell people who have maybe not had the same experiences or the same chances to bring up such such experiences that we have had and almost brag about it. So I think that would be for sure one thing about not saying certain things that you have done or you have seen or you have learned maybe uh, for myself. And in terms of the actual like pattern and undervaluing skills. I think it may also lead back to this kind of issue of a lack of belonging and a lack of attachment to a certain place or a certain mindset that they may feel almost lost in terms of which skills are valued and which skills are not. Because oftentimes if you're thrown into these kind of situations, as you said, we have been thrown into like unfamiliar situations, de dealing with unfamiliar people with different opinions to our own. Um, although we have been able to mediate it, if you continually encounter the same environment uh, and then suddenly you go to a place that might not be as international, you maybe don't necessarily see the value in this skill or even think about it as a skill if mm. you have been in such settings for a very long time. So I think yeah. it, so that is for one. And then for two, also feeling kind of lost and having many different interests and many different things that you may be somewhat good at, but not that good at, uh, makes you almost want to undervalue what you know and what you have experienced. Mm. Interesting. Thank you. Those are some really nice insights. Um, I actually have a following up question on that, which is, you know, third culture kids, we, we often have a lot of different skills, right? And the thing is that at the same time, we may not be super uh let's say advanced in you know the the skill itself but in your opinion how do you view this generalist versus a specialist theme um so i being mean a generalist mm -hmm. uh in terms of these kind of generalist skills i think you this is a good point that you bring up actually because probably for yourself as well you speak multiple languages where you speak english german hungarian and chinese uh, I also speak, I also speak several languages like yeah like English Serbian French and German kind of at a more or less fluent level and I feel like in this particular sense I, you feel like you don't necessarily speak any language perfectly or all of these skills that you have kind of developed you feel like you don't necessarily are don't necessarily possess uh, enough skills in any of them. So, I mean, I think there's both benefits and disadvantages, of course, to both sides. So being a generalist versus a specialist, because as a generalist, at least you are 
able to kind of fit in multiple environments, although you may not feel qualified enough in any of them. However, when you're a specialist, you are great at what you do, but then in case it is not something that you particularly enjoy, you may be even more scared to try something new because you're maybe mm. scared that you wouldn't be good enough at it and so on, and you just stick to the safe option. So there's always pros and cons to each one. It just depends on the person themselves and whether they would like to focus on one thing or have different experiences to build up their character or their skill set. Right. I feel like I just have to say this coming from my TCK experience is I feel personally very thankful uh, that we we have the opportunity to see different sides of things because then we can, let's say, really find the things that we actually genuinely are passionate about and like uh, at a very early, early age on. So I'm, I'm very thankful. And I think that culture kids in general, they they have at such a young age this exposure which mm -hmm. then makes them, you know, much easier to try to find uh, later on what they're really excited and passionate about, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yes, I, I agree. I agree with you fully there because being exposed to many different things might help help you find what you like and what you're good at faster than maybe some others who may not have seen all of those things. Right. And my next question is, so this is a series that instigates conversations between TCKs. And mm -hmm. from the last episode, we had Annelie Vambic, which is, uh, she's an intercultural trainer and speaker. And she, at the end of the episode, wants to ask you a question to a younger mm -hmm. generation. And her question is, do you feel that growing up as a third culture kid has changed the way you look at the world and how? Mm -hmm. That's a very good question. And I mean, I think it's certainly made me more open-minded and accepting of things and uh, less prejudiced. I'm not uh, not to say that people who have not necessarily moved around would be prejudiced or less open-minded. I just think being exposed um, to all of these different things makes you think about them less and just kind of accept whatever is around you. So I think that is really the way that I have been viewing my newer experiences by now um, and what I particularly appreciate about this is just being able to talk to people regardless of who they are and so on not even think about these things and kind of I guess I realized that it really is yourself who makes or breaks a place even though mm -hmm. the place for sure has good sides and bad sides about it it also depends on how you act towards it and how you kind of put yourself out there which makes the biggest difference in whether you will like a place that you're at or whether you will like wherever you go, whatever event it is, if you bring yourself forward and present yourself in the way that you would like to be seen, then you really have the power to change how you will feel about this particular event or this place in the future. Right. Thank you. It's very wholesome. I love it. <laughs> uh, my then follow up to that is what would you then have as a question to also the upcoming TCK guest? What is your question to her? Um, well, is is this then someone who is slightly older than me and maybe has some more professional experience? I think the connection may be a bit. Wait, can you hear me? 
Excuse me, I had some <laughs> Wi-Fi issues. I am okay. back. Can you hear me? Uh, yes. All good. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, perfect. Is this person who is the next uh, guest someone who is slightly older and maybe has some more professional experience? Connection might be a bit broken again. Yes, I hear you. I hear you a little bit. Okay. <laughs> okay, we can. Okay. Well, I would ask this to someone who I would like to go back to this kind of uh, career question and more the career trajectory if that's okay. And I would like to ask this person what they think the biggest challenge for them has been as being a TCK in their uh, career trajectory and how they have dealt with it. Because I feel like that is something that would generally benefit all of us, how to deal with such kind of career questions and maybe uncertainties. Um, so yes, that is what I would like to ask. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, and the the next question following from that is, with our current world being much more interconnected and cross-cultural than ever, what do you think about the relevance of TCKs when a lot of people and kids nowadays are potentially also going up increasingly more connected than before? Um, I mean, I think it is certainly more relevant because even among my friends, I feel like it is more and more common for people to move away from their home country uh, for a job, for school, for their parents' job, for wherever it is. So uh, I think we will also keep seeing a kind of uh, a higher relevance in the coming years as well. Especially with like, especially with a kind of this more so international vibe going on and companies also seeking more international people and more international experiences, I think for sure we will see more and more of it happening. Amazing. Thank you very much. And there's one last question. And that is, what is, let's say, one tip of wisdom that you would like to give to the TCKs, regardless of age? What mm -hmm. is one thing that you want you want to tell them as a message uh, for them to kind of appreciate and fully embody what it means to be a TCK? Um, I think in terms of uh, kind of my one to one and a half tips, let's say one to two tips that I would give is for one, in order to deal with this kind of uncertainty that you may have in terms of people, places and so on, for sure to find your support system that is your own and that is a constant that you will always have, whether it be the people that you know will always stick by you or a sport or some kind of a hobby that you will always be able to do um, and make yourself feel better about the whole situation. Um, and then secondly, to really make advantage of the situation and to put yourself out there and try out all these different things. Don't necessarily care about like what people think or whether you're good at them or not good at them to just take advantage of it and do the best that you can to try out different things. 
I'm sorry, I gave I gave like two tips, but I that think the more is better. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, thank you. And by the way, Svetlana on YouTube commented, bringing yourself forward is a great strategy. We love it. Thank you very much. And so the last, let's say, question is, how can people connect with you after this live stream? Mm -hmm. uh, you can uh, wait. I think you actually had the link uh, up before of my LinkedIn. Uh, yes. So you can find me on LinkedIn uh, or on other social media, probably like Instagram. Just type in Melania Kristich and I will pop up. But LinkedIn would probably the best be the best place as I would love to also hear your career experiences and so on. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure having you. And also apologies for the Wi-Fi. Yeah, no problem. It happens. That's the one problem about this kind of All right. digitalization era. Yes. Thank you so much. I hope Thank everybody you. else will join in on our next episode as well and that you enjoyed this fifth episode. Have a good day, everyone. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you.